lucky enough to be joined by Michael Lombardi, one of the founders of The Daily Coaches, a phenomenal guide for leadership today. If you're looking for it out there, joining me now, start uh, with leadership, Michael. Heard you on Moose and Maggie earlier today uh, talking about a leadership void within the NFL. I've been thinking about Eric Bieniemy and what he's been through over the last couple of years. I mean, part of the Chiefs' most successful run in the franchise's history as the offensive coordinator, and yet he finds himself without a head coaching job now heading into a third offseason. What what are we missing here about why, why this isn't connecting for him? Well, this isn't a, a problem that's new to the NFL. I mean, go back to Bill Walsh's staff and Ray, Ray uh, excuse me, Sherm Lewis uh, was on that coaching staff, was the running back coach for a lot of years, and uh, got lots of interviews, never got a head coaching job, unfortunately. I, I think this is a deeper issue than, than, than just race. I think this is a leadership issue combined with race. I think their NFL hasn't done a good enough job, and they've held symposiums, and they've done all that, but they don't have a leadership clinic. They don't teach leadership. They literally do not teach leadership. And running a multi-billion dollar corporation, because that's what the head coach will be doing, is a leadership position. It requires every aspect of leadership. And what are they? The first one is management of attention, have a plan. The second one is management of meaning, explain the plan. The second, the third one is management uh, of self, which is mean you can be critical of yourself. And the fourth and final one is management of trust, which is believing in the process. They trust you to believe in the process. So those four areas make up leadership. We don't teach that. We teach scheme. We teach, to, you know, 20 bingo cross, you know, spider two Y banana. We teach plays and schemes. And yet the essence is the connection between the player and the coach and how you lead that player. Now, you need expertise in football. There's no denying that. However, you need to understand how to lead and build a team to cohesively within a culture. We don't teach that. I guess, Michael, I just truly find this baffling considering how much money is at stake and much of this game is mental and how much character counts with what the league is trying to do in now being progressive. How is it possible that leadership is not something that's at the forefront uh, in the minds of, of some of these front offices and even higher than that with Roger Goodell? Well, I, I just don't think Roger Goodell understands what it's like to run the day-to-day -day operation of an NFL team, what it requires as from the head coaching chair. You know, we always view people's jobs through our eyes, not through the eyes that they have to look through. And, and I think there's a void there. And I, and I think that, yes, we need more minority hiring in the National Football League, without a doubt. But we need more leadership. We need more leaders. Look, Mike Tomlin walked in the room. Mike Tomlin was God-given ability to be a leader. He commanded the room. He met all four criteria of leadership. And so when he was a one-time defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, he became a head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers because he wowed them with his skills as a leader. He did. We don't have that. Mike was trained or he saw, got that at William & Mary or he developed that from his mom and dad or whomever he, he was around. It was natural for him. It's not natural for a lot of guys. It's not natural for them. We have to teach them. And I've been on this. I've been harping about this. I write about it in The Daily Coach. I wrote an article about it in The Athletic last year. No one talks about it. I met Troy Vincent at a, at a symposium at the University of Pennsylvania. I tried to give him my book, Gridiron Genius, as a book of culture, a book of how to develop a head coach. And I've yet to hear from him. If, if it is about leadership, but it is partially about race, just lastly on this, 
If Roger Goodell can't figure out a way to not only improve the functionality of this from a leadership perspective, but if he can't fix some of the blatant diversity issues that are part of the league's hiring history, is that um, a stain on his legacy, given everything that we've been through where we are right now and how important it is to a large percentage of the players that are involved in the, in the National Football League? Well, he's got to give something back to the game. The game's been generous to him, and I think he can do that by setting up an NFL academy for leadership. You know, he can give back to people, and he can make the game greater, and we can improve the game because right now the game's stagnant. We don't have enough great leaders. Even, you know, non-minorities that get head coaching jobs lack leadership. Carolyn, why do we see the workforce turn over in the NFL by one-third every year? Now, we understand it's the hardest job to get to the United States senator. But we see a turnover over at one-third almost every single year. There's something wrong with the system. There's something deeper than, than, than just hire a coach. The hiring process is wrong. The candidates haven't been trained. It needs to get fixed on every level. And if you're the commissioner of the league, that should be your number one job. That's a fascinating topic. Uh, I just want to switch and point towards the weekend a little bit here. I mean, you mentioned leadership, and let's start with Tom Brady. By all accounts, you, you of course, know him. His, his teammates will call him one of the best leaders that they are. I would even argue a servant leader in terms of just kind of putting his money where his mouth is, showing up early. We've seen that dedication time and time again. Bruce Arians made some interesting comments, uh, Michael, to Peter King, saying that one of the things that he's done differently that Bill Belichick didn't do was also allow Tom Brady to have more of a coaching leash, saying as much that he sits back or has sat back at times during this season and let Tom Brady coach. Um, is that surprising to you that that's something that wasn't afforded to him in New England? I think at least in Bruce's I, I think that's uh, that's up for interpretation. I think Tom was intimately involved in the offense. I think he had enough confidence that Bill, that the program was being run the way Tom wants to run it. I think Tom's view in Tampa is there's not a lot of places like New England in terms of how buttoned up they are, how much there's attention to detail, how that works there in New England. A lot of people think they know what goes on behind those walls in New England, but very few actually do. I think Tom's taken that leadership role and showed Bruce actually what it is to play complimentary football, what it is to bring a team together. Bill did that in New England. Tom's helping them do that at Tampa. I think it's a little naive to think that Bruce just is allowing Tom to coach, and Bill never did. I mean, seriously, Bill won six Super Bowls because he's made Tom a great player, and Tom had great talent. They're a great organization. They work together. You know, Tom knows what it takes to win through those years in New England. I think to your point, we've seen most during the season where he's probably frustrated. Tom Brady, I mean, with the offense, he's not hiding in the field, and Bruce is certainly a different coach than Bill Belichick. In terms of his play, it seems like he has gotten progressively better over the course of the season, and now you've got a meeting with Aaron Rodgers, uh, which everybody is looking forward to, a TV dream, of course. But when you look at how those two quarterbacks are playing right now, you have followed them closely over the duration of their entire careers. I mean, how close are they right now to playing at their peak? Well, I, I think Rodgers is playing at 2013 form. I mean, really, the MVP of the National Football League in the year 2020 should be Jordan Love. You know, the young man out of Utah State who hasn't played one snap 
and was drafted in the first round by the Packers. He's motivated Aaron Rodgers to levels we haven't seen since 2013. He's been flat out remarkable in his play this year, throwing the ball down the field, being more accurate on throws 20 and 30 yards down the field, being deadly accurate on throws over 30 yards down the field. He's a new Aaron Rodgers in the sense that we haven't seen this player over the last five years. He was averaging 7.1 yards per attempt those last five years. This year he's in the eights. He's almost at eight six. So he's been uniquely different. Tom, I think, has finally gotten into a rhythm because when I watched the Bucks play early in the year, they were running Bruce Arians' offense. I see more Tom Brady offense now. You know, remember Bruce said early in the year, we're going to run my offense. Well, I think Bruce tells a little white lie there. A lot of the plays that Tom's running now are what I call Patriot plays, and that's made Tom a better player. He's more comfortable. He's more adaptable to within the system, and he understands what he's doing. And they've got really good skill players around him, which makes him even more effective. Yeah, it's interesting. This last game in particular, I think a lot of people were picking up on what you've picked up on, is that there was a lot of Patriot-esque plays happening offensively. Now Antonio Brown day-to-day, so could potentially be back. The Packers are favored by three and a half. But when you look at this matchup offensively or really by any any position, I mean, who do you give the edge to heading in? Do you think that the Packers do, in fact, have that slight margin of edge heading into the weekend? You know, I do. I worry about the Packers' defense. And even though they've played better, uh, Carolyn, I never feel like they have control of the game. Remember, when you're watching a football game, you're always trying to evaluate two things. Who's in the lead and who's in control? Evaluating who's in the lead is easy. You just look at the scoreboard. Evaluating who's in control is a little more challenging. And the Packers, because they don't play great defense consistently over 60 minutes, they lead you to believe they're never in control of the game. Rodgers is always in control of the game. He can do that as well as anyone. So I like that aspect. I think this will be a challenging game for the Bucs because the Packers can throw the football, and they will test the secondary. The Bucs, typically, when they face an opponent, they rarely see a running game. Teams in the National Football League in the first half this year have run the ball the fewest amount of times against the Bucs than any team in the first half. People know to attack the Bucs, it's through the air. And that's what Rodgers does really well. This is a hard matchup for the Bucs. If Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl this season, do you think he would consider retirement? Absolutely not. Tom doesn't do it. I don't think there's one mantle, in it, whether in the mansion in Boston and the mansion in Tampa or wherever his mansions are, you know, and in, in, in down in Brazil or wherever he has all his homes. I don't think there's one mantle in any of them. I think it's always about the next game is more important than the last game. He does this for the love of the game. He truly is that Kevin Costner character in that movie. I mean, he loves football. He wants to do it for the enjoyment of playing, not for the trophies. Could he be a coach in, in your mind after this? Do you see him wanting to stay close to the game in that way? I mean, he's got football in his blood. There's no denying it. I, th- I see him more as a president. I see him going in there. I mean, first of all, work ethic is not going to be an issue. The man loves to work. He, you know, today is Wednesday or Tuesday. He's working today, Thursday after practice. He'll do a, an elementary quarterback drop drill with harnesses to make sure his legs. I mean, he's always working to make himself better. I think he'll work in some front office. I think he'll run some team at some point someday. Just switching over now to Patrick Mahomes, because you have such an intimate knowledge of what happens behind the scenes, in terms of him being in concussion protocol and still very much a question mark heading into the weekend, what what needs to happen and what is happening right now in order to determine whether or not he's going to be available to the Chiefs? 
Well, he's got to go through hurdles, and these aren't chief hurdles. These are league protocol hurdles. So the league monitors these, and he can work out, and then they've got to test him. And if he passes that first hurdle where he works out and his levels don't rise or he doesn't get a headache, then he can go to the next level, and then he can go to the next level after that. There's three levels he's got to get through. And once he stumbles in any one of those three levels where his test scores are not the same as they were when he started the season, then he's got to go back to step one again. And that could put the game in jeopardy. My sense of it is, I think he's probably going to move along fairly quickly. I would think by Friday he could practice, but it's an unknown. No one really knows how this will go because we don't really understand how his body is feeling. Does he have headaches? Does he not? Andy Reid will know by Tuesday, by tomorrow, whether he's going to play or not, or on, on track to play, should I say, because the trainers will come to him and say, hey, his numbers are really good right now. He's on track. Great. We can plan for that. He'll know by Wednesday, hey, look, it doesn't look good. He's going to have to really make a lot of recovery to come back and play. I don't know if he can do it. You better prepare for Henny. He'll know that. We won't know that. Andy will. Can the Chiefs win without him? No, I don't think they can. I think it exposes a lot of their deficiencies in terms of their defense, their ability to really control the game with their defense, and their quick strike ability. I mean, Chad Henney did a nice job at the end of the game, had the long run. But if they've got, you know, for him to play 60 minutes of constant football against a really good quarterback in Josh Allen and a Bills offense that will move the ball better than the last time they played him, it will be a really challenge. Look, it's going to be a challenge in Mahomes' place. There's no denying that. The Bills – are playing their best football. Here's the here's the reality of the Buffalo Bills. They've won two playoff games and have yet to play their A game in the playoffs. They played great on offense against the Colts, not good on defense. They played great on defense against against the Ravens, not great on offense. So they've got room to improve as well. Do they have the ability then in your mind to to bring both sides to execute at the highest level? I mean, why hasn't that happened in your estimation so far? Well, I, I think it's the opponent, but I do think this is the one game they have to. Look, I think the Browns had the perfect opportunity last week. You got Mahomes sitting on the sideline. You're down 22 to 17. There's seven minutes to go in the game, and you got a chance to drive the ball down the field and score with one second left to go, and you can beat this team. The team that beats the Chiefs in this round or the Super Bowl round will have the ball last and will score on the last seconds of the game to put them away where they can't come back and use that offense to get back in the game. That's great stuff from Michael Lombardi. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Carolyn.